Praise God. If you'll stand with us, please, we're going to the word of the Lord. And to the book of Ephesians. The third chapter. Verse 7. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent now, unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, can't get past that you can't get to verse 18 being rooted and grounded in love that or may you may be able to comprehend to understand with all saints what is the breadth the length and depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Praise the Lord. And that's what he was made a minister of the gospel for and about. That he may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And once that that takes place you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, height, length and depth. Of what? That you may know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now if you turn to the book of the Song of Solomon. Chapter 1. And we'll just read the first verse. The song of songs, which is Solomon's. The song of songs, which is Solomon's. I'm not normally a series Bible teacher most of the time. And God could change my mind for the remainder of these services. I'm aware of that. But I have felt to bring to you, at least beginning here today, on some 
what I understand to be essential and vital, and that is relationship with the bride and the bridegroom, the church and Jesus Christ. I am seeing more all the time a drifting from Ephesians 3, 17, being rooted and grounded in love. We got people rooted and grounded in, you can fill in some blanks there. And the charismatics have, and I refuse to be intimidated because they've taken certain words and made atrocities out of them. Love is still what God is. It is still what we are to be rooted and grounded in. And I refuse to be intimidated by the world's interpretation, perverted interpretation, of the word love. We read the first verse of the Song of Solomon, and I can guarantee you this, that in this assembly here today, because you are no exception, that this is the most unread book in your Bible. I doubt there's very few of you that spend a lot of time in the Song of Solomon. And there's reasons for that. But this week, by the help and grace of God, unless, and I'm always ready to be have the switch pulled and head another direction but right now I just want to bring to you some of what I felt from the Lord about bridal affection and the great war that goes on to steal your first love You have left your first love. Praise the Lord. So here by way of introduction, you have to bear with me, but you have to start somewhere. We're going to be delving into some introduction here today, but I'd like for you to pray right now. Ask the Lord to have his way in this place. Would you please? Thank you, Jesus. God, that you would again anoint the lips of clay that your spirit would engulf this house every heart and every life that there would be a readiness to receive a willingness to obey Lord that the understanding might come for with all of our getting we are to get understanding help us to know your will your way Lord what it is you desire from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in these last closing moments before your soon return we give you the praise and the glory Forever in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you kindly. You may be seated. Surely it goes without saying, and you would hardly agree to this statement, that the Bible is unlike any other book in this world. His contents can never, never be rightfully interpreted by man's wisdom. And we see so much of that today. Some people are so impressed by Dr. So-and-so's high-sounding rhetoric and by their phraseology. But I am persuaded confidently, completely, that your wisdom can get you in terrible trouble when you delve into spiritual matters. Praise the Lord. According to 2 Peter 1, 19, 20, and 21, if Brother Lee would read this for me, please, it tells us that there is a necessity for something outside of our own meager wisdom.
Here the, Peter is writing, he's saying we have a more sure word of prophecy. Yes. Yes. That you take heed. And another writer says that we won't give the earnest heed to those things we've heard. That's the end time we should let them slip. Amen. The word slip, there's a nautical term meaning to let the rope get loose on the boat and you drift away. Praise the Lord. Give more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Praise the Lord. We got a lot of people that don't heed anything they hear. Praise the Lord. Read, please. Unto a light that shines in a dark place. Yes. Until the day dawn. Until the day dawn. And the day, and the day star rises in your heart. Praise God. Read. Knowing this first. Knowing this first. Everybody say first. That no prophecy of the scripture. That no prophecy of the scripture. Is of any private interpretation. Of any private interpretation. Didn't come by will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. As holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. This is of no private interpretation. I get afraid of folks that have their own little sideshow going. Amen. That some that the meaning and the direction of false doctrine always comes from somebody's private interpretation. If it's not backed up by the unit of the ministry, I'm telling you, you can go get in trouble in a hurry. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Of no private interpretation. But one of the things about the Bible is that much of it and some of it must be interpreted literally. As Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 is a literal command. It is not an allegory. It is not symbolic. It means what it says and says what it means. Repent and be baptized every one of you. And when it said every one of you, it meant every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is not allegorical. That is not uh, a parable. That is a literal command. Isn't it amazing how many people springboard over it to Romans and come up with a, with a complete doctrine that is not even found in the Bible except the Lord is your personal Savior. Praise the Lord. And then they go back and say, well, what about Acts 2.30? They say, well, it doesn't mean that. It means just what it says, which the Bible clearly and certainly emphatically backs all that up. Praise the Lord. And then there's other parts of the Bible that can be parabolic or they can be symbolic. Amen. And then there are other parts that really can be both at the same time, literal and symbolic. So sometimes you can find yourself in a quandary. Amen. The Bible is filled also with historical uh, data. Some of it is, is telling you historical events. Amen. Some of it... Uh, uh, can be poetry, poetic in nature, allegorical. There are psalms, amen, which the book of Psalms is a selection of songs. And in those songs, it, it uh, also uh, inhabits in there historical, literal, uh, allegorical, and, and, and prophetic. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's why that Jesus said that Moses the prophets and Psalms, amen, these things concerning me, he told the Jews, praise the Lord. But when it gets down to interpretation, it is of no private interpretation. That means that man can't by his own logic and his own understanding sit down and come out with the right answer. This book is unlike any other book by one great, wonderful... You know, I've picked up... Uh, I, I'm not uh, uh, super sharp on many things. And I've picked up books that were hard to understand, you know, and, and begin to read, you know, and if, uh, you know, here's what the author wrote here, and, and I get to a place I don't understand. I don't understand what he's saying. I don't understand what this really is trying to come out with here now. Now, if it was possible that maybe if I really was interested enough that I might be able to phone the guy and ask him, now, what do you really tell me? Explain this to me. 
then that might help to be able to get a hold of the author. But if he's dead, you're in a big, big trouble. Praise the Lord. But the thing about this book is, if you got the Holy Ghost, you got the author while you read. He's right there with you when you read the book. Well, praise the Lord. If you acknowledge him, praise the Lord, then the author does his own interpretation, not yours. And it's done by rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, praise the Lord. Because you can get into quagmires and situations where you will sink yourself with your own logic and your own understanding. So it is a necessity, absolute necessity, according to John 16, amen, and verse 12 and verse 13, if you would please, Brother Lee. Jesus said, I have yet many things to say unto you. But, but you cannot bear them now. Now, you know why he told him that? Because Jesus at this time is manifested in flesh of that body which is going to Calvary. Nobody has the Holy Ghost. And what he has to say, you cannot bear them yet because you don't have the ability in you yet to comprehend. That's why there's some things I can't tell you right now. But, how be it, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, and that's not talking about the third person of the Godhead. There's only one Lord and one Spirit, and the Lord is that Spirit. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. But how be it, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, it is a necessity, Jesus is saying, that for you to understand the things that I have yet to say, you're going to have to have the spirit of truth. I don't care how learned a man is, without the Holy Ghost, he is ignorant of spiritual comprehension. Well, praise the Lord. Holy Ghost is a necessity, it's not an optional blessing. Amen. Without the Spirit, you're none of His. Neither can you know Him without the Spirit of God. Amen. That, uh, you know, holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost is uh, uh, to understand that maybe a little bit more perfectly. Uh, anybody here, no dictation? Anybody, no dictation? Anybody here know what dictation is? Praise the Lord. Nobody here is secretary that takes dictation. Now, for a secretary to take dictation, she has her knowledge, right, of symbols, hen scratch, all those crude-looking markings. She has a knowledge of that. But when she takes dictation, she is not writing the letter even though she's writing. Right? What she's doing is that this CEO is telling her, take a letter, Miss Smith. Get ready to use your knowledge with what I'm fixing to tell you. Well, praise the Lord. And he begins to speak and she begins to write. If she's not writing the letter, even though she's writing the letter. Praise the Lord. Whoever receives this will not receive this from Miss Smith. It'll be from CEO, whatever his name is, right? Well, praise the Lord. But she was moved on by the CEO, and she incorporates her knowledge to transcribe all that onto paper as he dictates. That is exactly what is happening when holy men of old spake by the Holy Ghost. Amen. It does not devoid us of our own knowledge. Every preacher, amen, preaches with a certain amount of his own knowledge. But the Holy Ghost is the divine one, the CEO, that is saying, say this. Well, praise the Lord. And so it takes the Holy Ghost. And so, since some of it can be literal, some of it can be symbolic, some of it can be poetic, some of it can be historical and all the rest of that. You've, you've got to be able to interpret it 
as the Holy Ghost meant it to be. Praise the Lord. And I can say this, and I think it would be a true statement, that really and truly the symbolic is much harder and much more difficult to interpret correctly than the literal. Even the world, you know, has trouble with the literal. They sure are going to have trouble with the symbolic. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why? Because the symbolic has to be found Bible principles and precepts that interpret its own symbolic symbols. That's right. Praise the Lord. And the Song of Solomon, unlike any other book in the Bible, there's none other just like the Song of Solomon. It in its entirety, from the first verse to the last verse, is complete symbolism. There's no literal commands. There is no historical data. There are no genealogies. There are no literal commands. It is all completely symbolic. And therefore, it makes it one of the most difficult books to interpret because if you ever need the Holy Ghost, you need it then. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, there are, there are just, just to, to nail this down a little bit uh, tighter here, Amen. There are places in the Bible that you, that you must understand symbolically. I mean, I think everybody here would agree with that, but let's just look at just some of these. Revelation 13, 1. The book of Revelation has a lot of, of uh, symbolism, and it's not all symbolic, and neither is it all literal. Praise the Lord. But Revelation 13, 1 says, Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. All right. Did John literally see that creature? You know he didn't. He didn't literally see a literal creature rise up out of the sea like that. Well, I got some of you that saying, oh yeah, he did. I don't know what you've been eating, but... You better stay away from him. No, he didn't. That has to be understood symbolically. You must know what he's talking about, what he is saying in symbolism to interpret that. Revelations 12, 1 through 4, again, is another example of the same thing. Yes. Woman that's got the sun on. And she's standing on the moon. And upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Yes. And she being without pride. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. There appeared another wonder in heaven. Another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Great red dragon. Having seven heads and ten horns. Mm -hmm. And seven crowns upon his head. Yes. And, with, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now, if you think that's literal, again, you don't, you don't even start to understand what's going on. A woman got the sun on, standing on the moon. She's expecting, got a crown on her head, and another red dragon comes, and, and when he swings his tail, he drags a third of the stars of heaven around with him. That's not literal. That's symbolic. You must understand what those symbols stand for to understand what is being said. One more instance, Revelation 3.12 says this. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. That's far enough. He that overcomes, well, I'm glad this is not literal, that our end up in heaven is going to be like one of them columns back there on the wall back there. We end up all pillars. Now, in Louisiana, pillars is not what you lay your head on. Those are pillars back there. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. But if, I, if you interpret that literal, then, then your salvation, once that you're saved, you end up being a, a post. Which some folks could fulfill that pretty good. 
Well, praise the Lord. So, by way of that, the question is, shall we use our own imaginations to ascribe meanings to these symbols? You better not. But you better use the Word of God to, to be able to correctly define these things. The Bible really and truly defines and interprets itself. I'm not too big on commentaries. If you got some, that's your business. I got, I have books, but I'm not too big on them. And I find people that when they want to find something about what the Bible means, they instantly reach for Matthew Henry, our pulpit commentary, or some other. You know, if you want to read, I mean, I do. I've read that. That's all right. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. This Bible interprets itself. Praise That's why the injunction is given there. In 2 Timothy, did I give you that? 2, 14 and 15, please. Of these things put them in remembrance. Yes. Charging them before the Lord. Yes. That they strive not about words to no profit. Words to no profit. But to the subverting of the hearers. But to subverting of the hearers, yes. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Everybody say study. study. To show that, and this is a, a pastoral epistle written mainly and purposely to preachers to begin with. Praise the Lord. Amen. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. And wh wh where does shame come from? From, well, just from fouling up the deal. Right? Praise the Lord. A lot of folks are going to be ashamed one day. Praise the Lord. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing, Rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth. Another place it says this, line upon line, precept upon precept. Amen. This whole Bible, that's why the folks that just take John 3.16 out and do not take John 3, 4, and 5 get in trouble. Praise the Lord. You gotta get past John 3, 4, 5. Must be born of water and spirit before you get to the promise of John 3, 16. Well, praise the Lord. But I'm glad that we understand that when you put it all together, you come out with one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Aren't you glad for that today? Well, praise the Lord. Amen. So we cannot use our imagination. So we're going to glean a little gold and precious stones. Amen. Here today from the Song of Solomon. Hopefully, if the Holy Ghost will help us. Amen. Like I said, one of the reasons that it, the difficulty comes with the Song of Solomon. Amen. Is simply because of two things. It is entirely symbolic. Therefore, to get the right interpretation is difficult. It takes time. takes effort. And a whole lot of prayer. And a whole lot of getting in with God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Secondly, it is a very intimate, descriptive, graphic book. Well, praise the Lord. It's not a dirty book. It's not a nasty book. This is the Word of God. Amen. Now in short, which you will, we will continue here as the Holy Ghost leads later in the week, but primarily what the Song of Solomon is about is that nutshell, it describes... The love of the church for her God. That is in a nutshell. Secondly, it shows the tremendous battle that takes place of allurement to draw the church away from the love of God. That in a nutshell is what the Song of Solomon is all about. Amen. God truly desires more than just some regimented lifestyle out of you. His deepest desires for an intimate relationship with each and every saint of God in the church. I said intimate, intimate relationship. 
No wonder that it says in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's, that's, that's your, your door, your heart. And if any man will open, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So it's about an intimate relationship. Now if you are, and uh, I'll say this, usually the folks that show up to Bible study are those that are, are more interested in the general round of the mill folks. Well, that's a fact. Well, praise the Lord. So we stand a good chance of having folks around here that can qualify for intimacy. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Look at the first verse. Song of Solomon 1 and 1. The song of songs. Now, what does that phrase say to you? It's much like the expression holy of holies. Or king of kings. Or lord of lords. The king of all kings. The lord of of all lords, the most holy of all holy, holiest of holies. So this phrase, the song of songs, is saying the same thing. The song of all songs. Praise the Lord. Now, you may not agree with this. I know people, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But in actuality, even, of course, the book of Psalms is simply that. It's songs. That's what the word means, songs. But in actuality, the song of Solomon exceeds all the psalms. It is the song of all psalms. Why? Because it is, again, the most intimate relationship between the bride and the bridegroom. And somebody said, well, if that's true, what's it doing back in the Old Testament? Because it was always God's design from the beginning. That's why it's in the Old Testament. Ephesians is much the, the, the New Testament song of Solomon. The little word in, in the book of Ephesians hundreds of times. Little word, but very important. Because you're either in or you're out. Same thing here. Either you're in love with him or you're not. You may be affectionate, but that ain't good enough. You may have a fondness for him, but that's not good enough. But the first and greatest commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And you can't tell me you can obey that and not be intimate. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, but before that we can go any further in the Song of Solomon, it's almost imperative that we go back to the book of Ecclesiastes, which, as you know, the same individual that penned the Song of Solomon penned the book of Ecclesiastes. And they're almost diametrically opposing. They're flip sides of the coin. One of them is so carnal and so base and so communion with its own heart and the other one is a heart communing with God written by the same man which of course is Solomon which also in his wisdom the book of Proverbs but before we begin mining gold in the song of Solomon let's back up here and look at Ecclesiastes just a minute to get to get this. If you read the Ecclesiastes, it, it's Song of Song begins this way. The Song of Songs. How does Ecclesiastes begin? Anybody know the phrase that starts out that? Huh? Vanity of vanities. Song of Songs. Ecclesiastes is vanity of vanities. What is vanity? Unprofitable. Worthless. Of no value. And so Ecclesiastes is saying, all these things are the most, most uh, un, unprofitable things of the unprofitable that there is. They're, they're opposite poles. 
which again illustrates a verse of scripture that everybody here needs to well remember. You, you have the ability, that is, if you have the Holy Ghost, you can either walk in the flesh or you can walk in the Spirit. The choice is yours. You can either be in Ecclesiastes or you can be in the Song of Solomon. Well, praise the Lord. But if you walk out the flesh, you will die. But if you walk out the Spirit, you should live. Look at just some excerpts from quickly here in Ecclesiastes verse, chapter 1 verse 2. Just to get you to see a picking of things through Ecclesiastes. How carnal that this, this, now when I say carnal, the book itself is inspired by the Holy Ghost. But it is a carnal man's view of things. And God is expressing that through Solomon. Amen. Chapter 1 verse 2. Vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities. Saith the preacher. All is vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Amen. All is vanity. But well, sad place to get to, isn't it? Everything's worthless. Praise the Lord. And this guy here ain't sitting in the wine old avenue with a brown paper back bag rolled down around the, the neck of a jug. This guy is a king. Wealthy, famous, powerful. And he's saying, all is worthless. What will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It's vanity of vanities. Amen. Verse 13. And I gave my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. I gave my heart. Notice that expression. I gave my heart. You have the ability too to give your heart to something. I gave my heart to know all these things and it too was vanity. Verse 16. I communed with my own heart. Uh-oh. Sounds like another man in the Bible, doesn't it? He said to himself, Soul, take thine ease, for thou hast much to last thee many years. And God said, Thou fool. First off, for talking to yourself like that. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. I commune. When you start, the only communion you have is with your own heart. Both of y'all are going to get in trouble. Praise the Lord. I commune with my own heart. Amen. Verse 17. And I gave my heart to know wisdom. Yes. And to know madness and Mad folly. Yeah. I perceive that this also is vexation of the spirit. That's also vexation of spirit. Wisdom and all that situation. Chapter 2, verse 1. I said in my heart. Yes. Go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. And all the pleasure was vanity. Three. I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. Yes. Yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and mm -hmm. to lay hold on folly. Yeah. Till I might see what was that good for the sons of men. Yeah. Which they should do under heaven all the days of their life. All right. Praise the Lord. Verse 10 and 11, chapter 2. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Whatever I saw and I wanted, I got it. Praise the Lord. Read. I withheld not from my heart. I withheld not from my heart. From any joy. Any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. Yeah. And this was my portion of all my labor. Yeah. Then I looked on all the works of my hand. And then I looked at all of it. Once that I had done all that I had done. And it was. And on the labor that I. Yeah. That I had labored to do. Yes. And behold. Behold. All was vanity and vexation of the spirit. And all it was vanity and vexation of the spirit. You get the picture here? Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We'll skip those other two. I think that's enough. And if you go on through there taking excerpts, that is the that is the common ring out of Ecclesiastes. But Song of Solomon is just the opposite. It is not somebody communing with their own heart. It is not vanity and vexation. But in the Song of Solomon, it is the bride communing with the shepherd or God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Her heart is in communion with him. And the heartbeat of song, amen, speaks of spiritual communion with the one that she loves more than any 
anything in the world. Praise the Lord. And therefore she doesn't say worthless. She doesn't say unprofitable. She doesn't talk about all these things that I tried and they don't bring any satisfaction. But she finds great satisfaction. She finds the complete fulfillment that you might know what is the length and breadth and depth and height even and know the love of Christ. Praise the Lord. And no man could learn that song. That's talking about natural man. Can't learn to sing that song. But the redeemed will sing it. And I can tell you this. It'll be a love song. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. It's not going to be some, some country western, not some pop rock, but it's going to be a love song. Amen. Between the bride and her God. Amen. If you don't learn to start singing it here, you're not going to know how to sing it up there. Praise the Lord. That's what worship sometimes entails. Amen. It is more than just going through some type of ritualism. Amen. It ought to be something that's rooted and grounded in love that brings out your praise and your glory to your God. Hallelujah. The song of the redeemed. Praise the Lord. So, as we look, and this is by way again just of introduction here today, just to begin to get us started in what I feel from the Lord but if you look at the uh, second verse look at the first rattle out of the box after the introduction the song of songs which is Solomon's it gives you the introduction to the book amen and then it just starts out just BAM like that the first desire that that comes screaming out of the song of Solomon amen is a desire for personal affection from her love let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth she is desirous of a personal intimate relationship with him amen that's the first the first thing that comes out of this thing it doesn't go through a lot of fanfare but it's a love song that starts out with an emphatic desire let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth praise the lord amen 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 a personal affection a bridal affection and if there's not a hunger and a, a thirst for God like that in you, and you don't know this song, you won't understand the spirit of this book until you get this down in your heart. God wants an intimate relationship with you. He wants you to be able to do more than quote Acts 2.38, which, by the way, a lot of folks get him to do that. But he wants you to have more than just some wardrobe hanging in the closet. He wants you to have more than just, amen, some type of ritualism in your life. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And there ought to be something when you come into the presence of the Lord. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. God, I want you to kiss me tonight. He said, it don't sound good. It does if you know the Holy Ghost. We're not talking about some physical thing here. We're talking about spiritual communion with God. Amen. We're talking about that desire, that hunger, that longing that should well up in our hearts for an intimacy with God. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You talk with your mouth. You express yourself with your mouth. Amen. This is the word of God. When you get the word preached to you, you're getting kissed. Let him kiss me with the kisses. Plural of his mouth. Let him kiss me and keep on kissing. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Like I said, I refuse to be intimidated by these charismatics that have perverted this thing called love and perverted this thing called grace. But I'm telling you, there's still something about a personal relationship with God that every saint ought to pull apart, desire, and walk above everything else. we got too many apostolic Pentecostals today that are so dead and ritualistic, they don't know the first thing about loving Him. That's why you don't have a love for anybody to be saved because you ain't got one for yourself. Well, praise the Lord. Come on, put your hands together and praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But, but it's, it's like the psalmist. There ought to be that longing in your heart. Listen to how David phrased one time this desire. 
Psalms 42 verse 1 and verse 2. As the heart panteth after the water. The heart is a deer. Amen. As the deer panteth after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth. My soul thirsteth. For you, Lord, for the living God, my soul is so thirsty. Amen. The picture here is this. Here is a a deer that has been chased by the hounds. It is run until its tongue is lolling out of its mouth. Its chest is heaving to try to draw in air. Its limbs are weak from the race. Amen. Death is pursuing it. Amen. Something is after it. On the inside, everything is screaming for revitalization. It's screaming for water. Amen. And somehow its nose begins to sense out the scent of water if I could just have a drink uh, if I could just get a hold of a stream uh, if I could just get to that place uh, and that's the thirst that David said my soul goes through God I'm so thirsty for you and I see folks sitting there writing notes cleaning their fingernails chewing gum you ain't got a thirst well praise the Lord come on would you help me love Jesus here today Hallelujah. How to have a deep desire. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because in that second verse it says, Amen. For thy love is better than wine. His love exceeds any and all things this world has. It's better than any of it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What about his name? Amen. In the third verse it says, because the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is an ointment poured forth. Hallelujah. Therefore the virgins love thee. They love the fragrance of the name. The fragrance of that name is such a beautiful smell that the virgins love thee. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what, the harlot system doesn't love that name. I'm telling you, the harlot system doesn't love that name. Amen. But those which are coming back here, the bride that has kept herself unspotted. Amen. A virgin in all sense of the word that is not uh, uh, somehow defiled herself with this world. Those are the one that loves the fragrance of the name. Amen. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus. That's why we baptize in it. Amen. That's why we glorify it. That's why we run the aisles in it. That's why we wake up saying it. That's why we go to bed saying it. Because the name is above all names. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. And it says that they will follow Him in Revelation. Praise the Lord. They that, those virgins. The church is His virgin. Amen. He calls the rest of it. In fact, He spoke one time and said, this is a, an off-course generation, an adulterous generation. Hallelujah. He wasn't talking about everybody was sleeping around with everybody. He's talking about spiritually they adulterated themselves. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I, I'm just somehow not going to let the portion of the virgin that I'm over be defiled by some Trinitarian in my pulpit. I said, it ain't going to happen. The fragrance of this name is too sweet. The virgins love it. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to put somebody that hates it and is against this word in this pulpit. Neither am I going to bring them in to instruct my church. I said I'm not bringing them in to instruct my church in soul winning or nothing else. Amen. This virgin is a virgin. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. His name is the ointment poured forth. And again, you, you can't read that without your mind leaping to an incident in the Bible. At least it does mine. My mind instantly goes there when I read that verse. Jesus in a house. In that house are men that act like they're his equal. And gave him any more special recognition or knowledge of appreciation than each other. They're all sitting at the table just like 
converse with him like they're one of his compadres. All of a sudden, the doorknob turns. Door squeezes open. Enough to give entrance to a little lady who one time was possessed of devils. Her life was hell. Her life was road ditch gutter. But one day Jesus came by. Hallelujah. Changed her completely from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Hallelujah. She comes through the door. She has something in her hand. I think, you know, she found the house where Jesus was. Worship always finds him. Devotion always goes seeking. Hallelujah. Worship always seeks him out. If you're sitting there and you're not feeling nothing, it's your fault. Don't tell me the Holy Ghost is not here. It's your fault. You hear me? Praise the Lord. But you ought to feel after God helping that you might find him. Sitting there like Kalijah, they ain't never had a kiss. I tell you what you ought to be doing. You ought to be letting your heart go out. Lord, I need you. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I want to have communion with you today. Praise the Lord. She came. She found the house. Amen. She comes in with her hand with something already ready. I think when she looked around the house before she left, said, I'm going to go find Jesus. She got to thinking, I think, when she was at home, looking at this, this house where the, she had had her business and looked at the stains on the walls and remembered, oh God, what a change you've made. And she started thinking about how good it was now and how wonderful and she said, I gotta go find him. I gotta go praise him. I gotta, I gotta do something to show him how much I love him. I, and she started looking around. What can I do? What can I do? And she found a precious box of ointment. Ointment, very fragrant. Will cost a man a year's wage to buy it. How she was in possession of it, I know not. I do know she had it. Hallelujah. And of all the house, that's what she picks up. Hallelujah. And she takes out and goes into the streets. And everywhere she went, amen, the aroma, amen, trailed behind her. Everybody came in. She said, have you seen Jesus? You know where he's at? Amen. They didn't have billboards up. Jesus is at so and Simon's house today and all that kind of stuff. She went seeking him, finding him. Amen. The fragrance trailing with her. Amen. From the box of alabaster ointment that she had. Amen. She finally finds the house, locates it, opens the door, goes in. She doesn't say, excuse me. Amen. Sorry. I, 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 can I come in? She doesn't do any of that. She walks straight in. She just opens the door and goes straight to his feet. Hallelujah. Falls down on her knees. Takes the box of ointment. Breaks it. You hear me? She doesn't open it. She breaks it. This ain't leaving here like he came. I ain't taking it back in a container to hold something else. Everything in it's coming out today. Everything in it is going to be poured out on my desire, my love, my Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. And some of y'all, y'all, you got fatty cake with Jesus. All you guys are a bit of half mass. I'm just dead. You ought to open up your heart and love him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me see it just a minute. And then when she did that, the Bible says this. When she broke that. Begin to know his feet. Tears streaming down her face. Her hair she uses, which is significant too. Not a towel. Her hair, which is given to her for a glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says this. And the smell of the fragrance filled the room. Some of them didn't like it. One idiot says, what cause is this waste? When you start calling devotion waste, you don't know the song of Solomon. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. When you love somebody, brother, you go way beyond just the call of duty. You go way beyond just some little personal amen step of one or two. You go to the limit, you hear me? And that's what she's doing. You know why? Amen. And Jesus said, hey, let me tell you something. When I came in here, you didn't greet me. You didn't wash my feet. Amen. You didn't say, howdy, I'm glad you're here. But this woman, since she came, has not ceased. Has not ceased. Has not stopped. Amen. To anoint me to wash my feet with her tears. I'm going to ask you a question, sir. 
He who little is forgiven and he who much is forgiven, who do you suppose will love the most? And they said, well, I reckon he who has been forgiven the most. Maybe that's the trouble with some folks. You thought you had the Holy Ghost before you even got it. You thought you just needed this little bit of it. You didn't realize you were so deep in a cesspool of sin. You didn't realize you was on your way to a red hot hell. You didn't realize how far away from God you were and what God did for you. But every time I look back and remember where he found me. Every time I look back and remember what he did for me. I'm sorry nobody here is going to intimidate me. I'm going to kiss him when he kisses. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to open a box of ointment. I'm going to praise him. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. And if you don't have that type of intimacy with God, Solomon's going to get you. Because you see, and we'll delve deeper into this, three principles in the Song of Solomon. Solomon, the king. A Sulamite woman who was not given a name, just what town she came from. And then one that is almost unseen physically in the whole book. But he's there all the way through the shepherd. Some people make Solomon get the, the lover here. No, 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 no. He is, he's not even fit to be a type. He is a king, but he's not the king. A shepherd is for her heart. And throughout the book, you're going to see this. Solomon trying to woo her with his might, his charm, his prestige, his power. And you see her responses to him. And you'll always see this. Whatever Solomon does, whatever Solomon says, her mind goes instantly to her real love. The unseen shepherd. Hallelujah. Whom my soul loveth. One verse says, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Just understand this, Solomon, sir, with all your power, your might, your scepter, and all your glory. I'm not interested in your wealth. I'm not interested in your prestige. I'm not interested in your glory. I'm more interested in the character of a shepherd. Oh, he may be lowly. He doesn't have the so-called prestige of you, sir. But he has. And one thing you'll never have. My heart. I am my beloved's. He is mine. Let's stand, would you please? Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Anybody want a kiss today? Anybody want a kiss from the Holy Ghost in your life? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 That's just a little Lanny up here just a second, but I'll say this to you. That's where they misinterpret that scripture. It says, greet the brethren with a holy kiss. They ain't talking about please. You don't kiss me. I don't want your kiss. When it says greet the brethren with a holy kiss, it means with that spirit of the Holy Ghost. That's why we say praise the Lord, brother. Amen. The kiss is not a physical between me and you. It's a kiss between us to him. That's the only kind of holy kiss there is. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know who Jesus is today. I'm glad that somehow I'm desiring more and more every day a more intimate relationship with Jesus. He took out all the bad parts and put in me the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for that? How is it that you, how is it that you, if you call yourself and profess to be a saint of God, don't you understand you've got to progress further than just the dynamics of externals you must delve in 
to be rooted and grounded in love. Why? So that you may comprehend or and understand what is the breadth, the height, the depth, the length, and to know the love of Christ. Because you won't ever know it till you're rooted and grounded in love. That's why backsliders backslide. You can't tell me that, that you can love God and backslide. I call you the liar. If you love me, you keep my commandments. I said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Well, praise the Lord. Lift your hands and love him. And pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints. Yeah.